What's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome to the show. You got two out of three tonight. Just like the Grizzlies, we have had trouble filling a full squad all season long. It has been one thing or another. And tonight it is internet issues for Isaac. So you got Candace and you got David. We're going to talk about game one loss. Los Angeles Lakers win 128 to 112. The game was far closer than the final score indicates as the Lakers kind of ran away with it when the Grizzlies gave up there. That was a little weird to me because it's the playoffs. And I know you lose some momentum after Ja goes down, but it feels like that was the moment. The Grizzlies were in that game and then Ja goes down and it's like any bit of air that was in the in the cells completely deflated at that point. Yeah, I think that was a little jolt of energy, you know, when Jaron had a couple, you know, really good post-up moves and, you know, I think he had a three-pointer there and it it brought some life back, you know, he tried, but I think really, I think it's twofold, right? I think absolutely the the momentum and the the wind, the air out of the building, yeah, all of that. But also uh, there, I noticed looking at the, uh, looking at the, stat sheet there most of that fourth quarter was more uh Santi minutes over Tillman and so um while Tillman I understand the decision because Tillman was not having a good game especially offensively I do think that the defense went completely off the rails uh you know Santi at the five is always going to be not great and uh that definitely I think that's that's a big part in what sort of ballooned that lead up personally yeah, it, the plus minuses are a little bit misleading. X was a negative seven. Santi was a negative 23, but Santi was on the floor when they had the stupid run there at the end. Right. So right. I think it was more, Santi was probably more of like maybe a, a minus 14 ish. And, and Tillman was a, a negative seven. And I, I think that X just wasn't being himself out there. Like defensively, he was doing what he does, but it's like, the lights got to him, maybe the stage got to him because it felt like he was being far too passive. And I know, or I would imagine the, the defensive plan for the Lakers is to limit, like you want to limit Jaron and Ja and make these other guys beat you. That that's what you want to do. So you want to see Aldama taking shots. You want to see Brooks taking shots. I can't. You can't really say that you want Bain taking shots because you know if they they let him take shots, he's going to do what he done. Even though six for eighteen is not a really efficient night for him with twenty two points, but it, it's crazy to me as I look at these two teams and the strategies that played out tonight, how eerily similar they are. And how it just worked out better for the Lakers than it did for the Grizzlies tonight. Both of these coaches come from the Mike Budenholzer coaching tree. Both of these guys were were there. They coached alongside him. They learned a lot from him. And you see a lot of the tendencies that Budenholzer has in both of these coaches. It's like it just worked out crap. Who would have thought? that you had Rui Hachimura going 11-14 from the field, 5 of 6 from 3, and then Austin Reeves down the stretch. He ended tonight 8 for 13 with 23 points. Nobody would have guessed that before this series started, that you would have seen both of those guys combine for 50 points in a single game. 
No, no, I I for sure did not. (laughs) I for sure did not. But it comes down to that three-point defense that is just a – it's been a thorn in the side of the Grizzlies for some time. Now, I don't feel like that existed the whole game. Again, I really feel like those Santi minutes. So what? I think it was the second half. half. Mm -hmm. Yeah, second half. um, Even the third quarter was a little bit more composed. But, yeah, I think – I think – Tillman sort of helped because he can switch. He's a switchable guy. And I think that worked a little bit better. Not that Santi can't switch. It's just Santi always has had the tendency to sag off his man, maybe more so than other players. Uh, Dylan was guilty of this as well um, in terms of sagging off LeBron, which is crazy. I guess we can come back to that. But uh, anyway, um, and it just beat him. I, I, I understand that they wanted to uh, stop LeBron uh contain well not stop but contain and and they really well I'm gonna say this I think that's I think that's about as contained as you're gonna get for AD and LeBron I mean they didn't go off in this game LeBron had 21 points five assists he was super efficient he was he was 50 percent from the field eight of 16 from the field and AD was 10 for 17 And, and I know like 21 points from LeBron okay you're happy with that right and, and I would agree to a certain extent, but I, I think the context in which he got the 21 points is a thing that's concerning for me. Because if your defensive strategy, and it was very, very clear based off of what Taylor Jenkins said in the postgame press conference and what Desmond Bain said in his postgame press conference, what the defensive strategy is, you didn't limit Bron's efficiency. He was 50% from the field. I don't have the percentages up in front of me, but AD is 10 for 17. So that's above 50% from the field. Your two big guys did not get limited. I, I know I understand that those guys can go significantly bigger than this, but you limited nobody. You, yeah. Everybody that took more than five shots on the Lakers, yeah. with the exception of D'Angelo Russell, shot over 50% from the field. And you will not win the game like that. So even before the jaw injury, this was not a recipe for a win for the Grizzlies because your defensive strategy, while maybe it's the proper strategy, it most definitely was not executed at the level that you would hope that it would be tonight in game one or today. Actually, it was an early tip. Yeah, I, I think that um, I said this before, and I, I I've I've never thought it great having Dylan be the primary defender or like basically the only guy on LeBron. Uh, I think when Jaron did have his reps, the few the few because that that really only came off if they were switching. It was never really intentional. That's when you saw him miss some things. I Dylan just um. Not a great game for him. Not not defensively, definitely not offensively. Um, and if you're gonna talk the talk, man, you got to be able to. Generally, Dylan can can hold his own, but not in this game. Like you said, yeah, it's a good point about the efficiency. Um, I for one was of the school of thought, and and people could call me crazy for this. I understand it, but I to some extent, given the strengths and weaknesses of each team thought you were better off almost kind of we I, th- I thought the emphasis should be more on 
containing LeBron because I thought AD was going to get his numbers anyway. They just didn't have you can't you can't put Jaron on him one on one often, and there's not a guy that's going to match up with him. But the offense doesn't run through him. James runs the offense, right? LeBron runs that team, so I really liked it in that that first game when they first played the Lakers. The switching and the versatility of you know they switch and one guy one uh for for a few possessions it'd be Jaron on LeBron and then it'd be Dylan. Um, that seemed to throw James more, and he only had like two assists, and their offense was non-existent for the whole team because he couldn't get anybody else going. Um, so I was almost like, contain LeBron, AD is going to be AD, and then contain the rest of the team. I thought that would be more effective and more conducive to the strengths of the Grizzlies because they had the more proven or not. Well, yeah, I, th- I think their guys just have more playoff experience and more playoff experience together in c- terms of your bench, in terms of, you know, the depth is a little limited, but the depth that they have, um, and that is not the strategy at all that they went with. They went with the opposite. And like you said, they, as a result, did not succeed in doing any one thing. Like you never, you don't look at this game and say, what was success like you can't see what was successful on defense really no i i mean the the problem is the the way this defensive strategy everything that i gathered tonight from watching this game and the post game uh press conference quotes from these guys the defensive strategy was to make the secondary players beat you but the problem is you cannot leave a guy, Rui Hashimura is five for six from three, four out of those five makes, there was not a Grizzly player within 10 feet of him. Right. And that, that that's not okay. He's an NBA player. Steven Adams, if you leave him wide open in the corner, he's probably never going to shoot it from three because he doesn't do it in the games. But I've seen him in the pregame warmups shooting threes and knocking them down regularly. Yeah. The, these guys put in rep after rep after rep after rep and you can't leave them that wide open mm-hmm. and and Austin Reeves is far and away the best shooter on this team and three of his like he had one of his three that he made one of his three threes that he made was contested the other two were wide open and that that's just not that's not going to cut it one of them in his in in the Grizz defense, he like shot from basically the logo. I get why he wasn't defending on that one. He shot that one super deep. Yeah, um, you you wouldn't think he had that range if you're the Grizz. So you let him have that one. But I th- I don't think he makes that if your other point isn't right in that he wasn't already in the rhythm because he was. I think if he's not in a rhythm, he doesn't make that shot. It's just um. It's a tough loss. You don't know the body language from Ja Moran, the responses that he made post-game would indicate to me that he is not going to be ready to go in game two. And so I I don't know, man. I'm not a the series is over person, but this is where we truly see what Taylor Jenkins is made of. And I've got to be honest, it scares the ever living crap out of me because of where he comes from. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, 
I talked with a guy and, and I've talked with this guy multiple times and he's been covering the Atlanta Hawks for a long, long time. He was there when Boonholzer was there with uh, Kyle Corver, Al Horford, Jeff Teague, like the one-seed Hawks that basically didn't have a superstar. Right. Like he, he, he was there through all of that. And Budenholzer's strategy that entire time was make them shoot threes. We're, we're going to crowd the paint. We're going to make them shoot threes. And that seems to be exactly what Taylor Jenkins is doing because how many times tonight did you see three plus Grizzlies in the paint and two or three Lakers around the perimeter wide open? Yeah, often. And like I said, especially down the stretch. Now, I think things were a little tighter. I have to go back and watch the game, but I, I remember things being a little bit tighter. Now, the guys were still sagging off their man, but they were they they were within range and you know I thought they closed out fairly well maybe a little late because they were you know closer to the um uh, the box than you know their guy but that just went away and just guys just started completely like <laughs> collapsing the paint and it's like a PTSD of the Pelicans game all over again just the same same thing, just over and over and over. And they watching Rui Achimura go off is the equivalent of watching Trey Murphy. And it's not the equivalent because I think Rui's a better shooter, obviously, than, than Herb Jump. But it just felt the same. And, like, these are guys who shouldn't be getting shots like this. Um, and if they are, they should be making them contested. Yeah. Yeah, I, I get what you're trying to take away. I understand that strategy. And maybe if you play the numbers and you run this game back and you do this exact same thing 10 more times, it works out in your favor. No, it did. I, 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 but I don't, I don't buy that. I, like I, like, no, it doesn't. I, I just, these guys are professionals then <laughs> like you, you, you don't get to this level without being able to play ball. These are the top one percent of the top one percent of players in the world like they're going to be able to knock down wide open shots it just it blows my mind there yeah. there's some things defensively i'm not i'm not gonna sit here and harp on the defense all night long if you you watch the game you saw what happened an unlikely performance from Marie Hachimir, 11 of 14 from from the field five of six from three ends the game with 29 points and six rebounds uh, Austin Reeves, eight of 13, three for five from three, four for four from the free throw line with 23 points and four assists. The thing that concerns me outside of the defenses of it, I don't think that they're going to make many defensive adjustments, to be completely honest. I think that they're going to live and die by this. If Rui Hachimura and Austin Reeves are able to be efficient in every game of this series, then they'll beat the Grizzlies running away with it. I don't believe that those guys can do that, but I think Taylor Jenkins and this coaching staff are okay with that. If these guys are efficient and they do this every single game and that's how we lose and that's how we lose. But my biggest concern is the offense for the Grizzlies. 
Yeah, you put up 112 points. It's not enough. 24 assists, not enough. The, the ball, it didn't even feel like there were that many assists for the Grizzlies in this game because there were a number of possessions where it was very stagnant for them, whether it was one person holding the ball too much, whoever that might be, or it was just one pass. There were not a lot of multi-pass possessions for this Grizzlies team. I've said it before, and I'll say it till I'm, I'm blue in the face. This team is better offensively when they're moving the ball. When you're running those guys off of screens, Luke Kennard had five shot attempts tonight. That's not enough for him. I, he played 25 minutes, five. That That's basically one shot attempt every five minutes. That's not okay. He has to shoot the ball more. He's one of your best shooters. You get a little bit of help from Tyus Jones, four for seven off of the bench. The bench was not good. You get eight, seven, and nine. Rui Hachimura outscored the Grizzlies bench by himself. You have yeah. to have some help from them. You talked about the the guys kind of playing together, but if you look at this rotation right now, Tyus Jones is the only member from last year that was part of the bench rotation for the Grizzlies. Aldama was on the team, but he wasn't part of the rotation. Kennard was on the Clippers, and Roddy was still at Colorado State. So this is a new bench squad for the Grizzlies as well that they've got to figure out what to do. And I hate that. I I don't know what happens. I don't know if it's the psyche of the, you know, the stage, if it's we should be giving Darvin ham credit because he made adjustments to limit this. But at the end of the season, Luke Kennard was shooting the ball with extreme confidence and almost zero hesitation and then you didn't really see that from him tonight. No, you saw the opposite. Yeah, like he he kind of regressed back into the shell of you heard people cannot get him to shoot the ball. Do you, do you think that we're going to see that going forward? Do you think Jenkins and the coaching staff is going to be able to bring that confidence back out of him? Because five shot attempts in 25 minutes is not going to cut it from him. Well, I'll say this. There weren't a ton of sh- shots that were super open. I think Luke needs to adjust his expectations for an open means in the playoffs. Um, especially because the Grizzlies are a little bit shorthanded in terms of their front court and, you know, they're, they're, they're over, you know, like physically they're a little bit outmatched. I, Luke didn't pass up a ton of good looks, but he passed up opportunities. Um, and when he passed up those opportunities, he's actually the reason for, I know at least two of those turnovers by him passing up a shot, passing it instead, trying to throw it in the post to Jaron. He was, he did that a couple of times, trying to throw it in the post to Jaron. And Jaron's not really, well, I appreciate the thought. <laughs> um, he wasn't really in the position, nor was at the best per, like play. Um, and so the ball just ends up getting turned over. And generally the Lakers would get out in transition and, or just get out and score some one way or another. Um, so I think one they need to manufacture more looks for him because I think they had him within the flow of the offense, and for Luke to get confident to take the contested shots, I think we've seen he needs to get a couple open ones first. Like even when he's hot, when he's been hot, he's had a couple open shots that went down, and then he starts taking these contested. Like you can see his he gets more bold as he sees more shots go in. Um, 
that was the case for when he got 10 shots in a row. So I think Taylor Jenkins could do better. I think you will see that improvement, especially given the Jai situation. Um, but yeah, you need more from that bench. I don't, I don't think Sonsi played poorly offensively, which was good. Uh, defensively is a different story, but I think, you know, you did what he, what you expect from him. I mean, he's, this is his first time in an opportunity. Uh, I think who you needed more from was Titus. Titus was not bad, but I think you needed more from Titus still. I need, I needed more from him in a couple of ways. Uh, one, Taylor Jenkins emphasized getting out in transition. Ja was the only person who tried to do that. Mm, Dylan. Yeah, Dylan. I, I, I know your thoughts <laughs> on that. I know your thoughts on that, but that like yeah, when when, when the outlet would go to Dylan, he would push it. Yes, that's true. Like I, I'm I'm not going to expand my house on Brooks Island. <laughs> but what I am gonna do is is kind of I'm gonna have a small discussion about him right now. In my opinion, I, I was marking. I had I had my uh, my little Tony Kornheiser notebook out sitting there with me because the internet in the forum for whatever reason sucks. That blows my mind. The owner of the Grizzlies is a tech guru, and we can't even get good Wi-Fi for the media in there. It's ignorant. End of rant. But I had my Tony Kornheiser notebook out for that reason. Couldn't do it on my computer. There were four times that Dylan Brooks took ill-advised shots. Mm-hmm. Two times was early in the shot clock. It was a rhythm three, 18, 19 seconds left on the shot clock. He pulls up, bringing it down the floor and shoots it. Two other times, Dylan got the ball pushing the pace and goes one on three. He did get to the rim, but it was heavily contested, and he missed both of them. Mm. So he took 13 shots. Out of those 13 shots, I think only four of them were ill-advised shots. So there's still some decision-making question marks from him. But also, I don't know that I put all of that on him. I wonder if that is not just the offense that Taylor Jenkins runs and he's okay with those shots. Like, I don't, I don't mind Dylan trying to get downhill because I feel like he typically finishes pretty good at the rim. But I don't think that there is any world in which Dylan Brooks being second in three-point attempts on your team is the game plan or should be the game plan. Uh, it, it is. You're the Lakers. Um, okay. So let me, let me finish my thought on Tyus. And, and what I was, what I was getting at was that Tyus was very happy to settle into that half court offense. And I don't get me wrong. The Grizzlies are better in that area, but you still want to take the opportunities when you can to push the pace. And Tyus does not do that. Like ever, <laughs> like, like I, I didn't he used to do that at some point. Like when when the grid like last year wasn't that a thing? Like this year it just seems like he's intentionally going as slow as possible to get over to cross court. Um and I think that hurts I think I think it hurts the, the grids to some extent because it's a disadvantage. And also, um I think you could get better looks. There's a lot that goes into it. He's not as aggressive when he's in the half court. So I feel like if you're gonna do that, you also kinda have to be more willing to to score if you're going up if you're going to force half court basketball 
you have to be able to initiate more of the offense then and, and take on that load. And that's just not what he did. Again, it was not a bad game from Tyus. It's just given the other guys on the road, like you said, given the other guys, you, you got to kind of take that. And I don't, I don't think he did a good job with that. Um, and, and that was a factor. And I'm sure that's going to change when he starts because it's always different when he starts. But I just wish there was some kind of way you could get starter Tyus Jones off the bench. I don't know. That seems hard to do this year. Yeah. I'm, there's definitely a mentality switch from him as when he is starting compared when he's starting, he looks to get his shot a little bit more. There's less hesitation. And I know when he is not starting, he plays on the floor with John ja Moran at times. And that's obviously going to limit some of what he does but I would still like for him to be aggressive, and it seems like he he is not at all any times that, that, that he comes off of the bench. I, I do think that there were times, maybe even times this year, when he would push the pace a little bit more, but you're right. It, it wasn't – he didn't have it in him tonight. I wasn't trying to go away from your ties point whenever I started talking about Dylan. It just kind of fell in right there, so I, I apologize on that. But No, you're good. Yeah. Well, one thing um, we we were talking about it on the ride home. One thing that Ty is typically excels at is creating turnovers for the Grizzlies, yeah. and that's something that that he didn't do tonight. Yeah, and so the the stuff that leads to wins for the Grizzlies in the regular season, you you didn't see a lot of that tonight. Morant had six turnovers in, in the minutes that he played. That's just you know terrible taking care of the ball. You can't have that many turnovers. You know, when you have the ball in your hand, you're going to make mistakes. I understand that, but you've got to take better care of the ball. Um, Look, go ahead. No, 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 that's fine. I was going to, you, you can get in here. Well, I, I just wanted to, I wanted to spend a minute talking about Ja, um, because I thought that was a very interesting game from him. Um, and, and not at all what I expected. And so I, I kind of wanted to get your thoughts because yeah, the six turnovers, were a factor, but you mentioned he's on the ball. He wasn't on the ball a lot. I mean, he's got two assists, not because he was unwilling to pass a ball, but just because a lot of the time he was on the court, Bane was bringing it up, or he'd be on with Tyus, and Tyus is bringing it up. And I kind of assumed that it was two-part initially. In the first half, I assumed it was, one, him getting his guys going, which I thought was fine. And two, I thought it was, you know, maybe part of his hand, I know, He's kind of working through that. So I didn't have a problem with it. And I kind of assumed that in the third quarter, he would be Ja. But he was not at all. And so I I, I kind of wanted to get your take on this. Because to me, it just seems like he's still in his head. I mean, he was asked about, does he feel like he's in midseason form? And he said somewhat. And a lot of people blew that off. I didn't. And I was wondering what version of Ja we would get. And he seems to still be struggling. I think mentally more than anything is Ja can, can get called for carries, but he got called for travels a lot more. Like it's just, it's, it was just like head stuff almost. And this is before the injury. I just, what, what is, what are your thoughts on, Ja as a whole, he he didn't have an inefficient night. He was two of two of three 
from three, which you never see again. It was just strange to me. Yeah, he. I, I think that he is best when when he facilitates. Obviously, the Grizzlies need him to score points, but I think that Ja kind of finds his rhythm a little bit more when he gets got other guys going. When he gets his teammates going, it kind of spreads the floor a little bit for him, and then he can operate in the areas where he excels. There were plenty of times tonight when he was destroying Vanderbilt off the dribble, had him in a blender and created space and just either jumped with no lane to get the ball out because that's the, the way the, the defense was, was playing him or went up without, you know, I like we, we talked about how teams adjusted to what he is able to do. And you saw some of that tonight. So I, I want to credit the Lakers some in, in their defensive strategy with him yeah. Because the there was uh, one travel specifically, he went up and two defenders went up, AD being one of them, and kind of smothered him, and he ended up landing before he can get rid of the ball, leading to a turnover. And then there was another time when he went up like that and there were two defenders, and it ended up being a turnover. They, they ended up stealing the ball mm-hmm. because he goes up and they timed it and he wasn't able to, there was not a clear path for him to get rid of it. So some of that was the Lakers defense and their strategy against him. But I I don't know. I I, like, I don't feel like, because you, you saw when he, there was one play, Ja made the bucket and he turned around, he was walking back toward the Grizzlies bench and he's like, he cannot guard me. Like he was screaming it out. Yeah. And, like, I know that he believes that. I know that he believes that. And he showed that because he could get in that kind of 12 to 15 foot range. He could get in there all night long. The thing that he needs to do is when he gets in there, make the right play, whether that's knock down a floater or a little mid-range jump shot or, or whatever it is, or if AD collapses too much, find somebody rolling to the bucket. Like, I think I, it's really, really tough because there's moments where I'm like, nah, nothing's wrong with him. He's fine. Right. And then there's, there's other moments where it's like, okay, maybe I can see it. And and then it, I, I don't know if it's just me like talking myself into it or if, because of what he's had going on, I'm specifically looking for something to point out that he's got something wrong. And, you know, like he, he was pretty open with the reporters post game when, when he was in the locker room, like you, you could tell he was, he was down. Like he was upset because that, that hand is bothering him really, really bad. Yeah. So he wants to be there. He wants to play. He made the comment, it seems like it's one thing after another, mm-hmm. and, and it has been this year. You know, it, it was Jaron to begin the year, uh, Dylan missed some time, Des missed time, Steve-O's missed a lot of time, Brandon Clark goes down, Ja missed that time, Des isn't healthy. Like, yeah, it's one thing after another, but this team is still good enough to beat this Lakers team, but they have to play. They have to... X has to go out there and not be one of four 
he has to be aggressive when they fall off of him. And he's got that little six to eight foot jumper that he knocks down all the time. Take that shit. (laughs) Just take that shot. You take it during the regular season. Take that shot. Yeah. It's playoff basketball. The stakes are higher, but at the end of the day, it's still just a basketball game. If you take that shot with confidence and you knock it down, that's a successful offensive possession going one for four and standing there 10 foot away from the basket. When AD is sagging underneath the basket off of you is not you playing your game. That's feeding into what they want to do. So you you need every member of this team. Dylan Brooks has got to play smarter basketball. The, The two for nine from three, he had a lot of open threes by design I, I think I agree. You and Isaac during the game said that you, you want to see him drive, get into the basket. But I, I want to see him, when he's driving, looking for other guys. He yeah. has more than one time this season shown the ability to pass the ball and set guys up. He can do that. We know where his comfort level is. We know that this 5 for 13 showing is pretty much where Dylan is comfortable but you need to see improvement from him. I, I I don't know. I don't, I guess maybe I have forever set the bar higher than what Dylan's ever going to get to for him just because I have faith in him and, and I'm one of the few that's left, but it's not Jaron. And, and I, I definitely want to talk about him before we get out of here. He played in, incredibly well, Oh yeah. but you, you need just like the Lakers had their role players doing what they needed to do. The Grizzlies need that. You you need Dylan Brooks to be more efficient. You need Xavier Tillman to be more aggressive, be efficient. You need Tyus Jones to push the pace. Luke Kennard to take more than five shots. There, there you can just go on and on down the list of what you need from these guys. And the Grizzlies did not get that tonight. If they want a chance to win the series, you have to get it from them, from your guys. Jaron, I think has evolved far past what I expected. I knew that he had made some changes throughout the season. He had gained some confidence, but I, I would have not in a million years guessed that we would have seen Jaron go 13 for 21 with 31 points in this game and the Grizzlies lose. Yeah. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And and it goes back to that. Ja thing. It's hard for me to shake the job. Ja, the job ja thing concerns me. Yes. Physically, but the job thing concerns me, and I don't think I, I don't think you're making it up about the mental stuff. I mean, he said it; he still struggles with it. Now, I think you're gonna see flashes of Ja, but I still think he—I can't point my finger on it, man. But he's just not himself, and it's been all year. I pointed out this fourth quarter thing it's in the fourth because I—I I do want to talk about Jaron, but I wanted to ask you this. Man. When he got injured, I was nervous because I saw Jago get a bucket offense started. Like I, I saw that that was that's where that was going, and, and that's what that play was was Jago get a bucket, and that made me nervous. And then the read he made, the decision he made, I I not to kick a guy while it's down, but I. We are. We learned early on in the quarter that one on one on AD is just 
not the move. It's not. But but I guess there wasn't any other move because nobody else was moving. And so John getting injured or not, I was nervous about how that was going to go down because I saw a guy who had been kind of struggling that whole game try to force himself to be the guy. And he he keeps trying to do that. Um, I, I didn't know how you felt the game was going to go or if you noticed that. Uh, but for me, that play, at that point, I was nervous anyway because I said, uh-oh, everybody stopped moving. We're doing ISO ball now. And this does not look like it's going to go well because Ja had just had two travels back to back. And that was with a little bit more movement on offense. Not much. Yeah, I, I'm we talk about the offense on this show and how it's better when they're moving the ball. We, we've said it even earlier in this episode. Taylor Jenkins has talked about it. Every single player at some point during this season in a post game has talked about how this team is better when they're moving the ball. Why the hell they get away from that in the fourth quarters blows my ja. mind. Ja gets away from that. It's it's really nobody. Yeah, well, I mean, it, even it's Dylan the passes. Yeah, I, it, it just. I don't know. There's definitely fourth quarter closing has not been a strong suit for this team. And I think that my case for Jaron being the closer, the the times when they were trying to crawl back into this game after Ja went out, it was because mm-hmm. Jaron was taken over. Yep. And he he just completely blew me away. The, the Lakers have to guard and and here's the thing. Anthony Davis does not want the smoke. He doesn't. He did not guard Jaron. I don't know how many possessions it was. I'm going to have to go back and see if I can find that. I don't know that Anthony Davis guarded Jaron for a full offensive possession all night long. And if he did, it wasn't many because he knows he doesn't want it. It was LeBron. It was Rui. It was anybody not named Anthony Davis because Anthony Davis wants to be that help side defender because he knows one-on-one Jaron's going to cook him. And that's something that we were concerned with is, okay, how how is Jaron going to match up? What's going to happen with Jaron? Jaron played the absolute best that he could tonight. Like you cannot, if you could set a bar on where you want Jaron to play as high as you want to set it, this would be the performance that you got tonight. The only thing that I would have liked to see a little bit more from Jaron is rebounding. He only had five and the Grizzlies lost the rebounding battle which is to be expected 45 to 34. They gave up 10 offensive rebounds leading to 22 second chance points. And that's really the difference in the game. If Jaron ends up with four or five less points and four or five more rebounds, I think that the Grizzlies win this game because those second chance points were killing them. And Anthony Davis, I would imagine accounted for a lot of those second chance points. So it's Jaron played extremely well. He's passing the ball well. He had four assists tonight. I'm you. You can't ask for anything else. You definitely not that you can. You cannot. Period. Blame this loss on any individual player for the Grizzlies. This was a team loss. This was to me more on the coaching staff yeah. than on the players 
because your defensive strategy just 100% did not work tonight. No. Maybe maybe what you were wanting to do is exactly what happened, but Taylor Jenkins mentioned in the postgame, I was going to ask him, and I actually didn't have to. Somebody asked him before it, it got to me. They asked him, you know, what he would point to as far as what contributed to the loss tonight. And he said it was rebounding and and execution on the defensive end of the floor. So I'm glad that he said that. If that wasn't one of his answers, I mean, I was going to fold up and quit, dude. <laughs> like, <laughs> by, as the head coach of the team, if you can look what happened in this game and defensive execution was not one of the issues that you can point out, I'm not sure you're qualified for the job, but he said it. So he's qualified moving on to the next game. Yeah. Um, that's for sure. See, here's the thing with the rebounding. I, so up until the third quarter, the Lakers only had five more rebounds than the Grizzlies. Um, and I think the number, they got really out rebounded in that fourth quarter. Now you could say that's because yeah, I guess they turn it up, but we also know two minutes into the fourth quarter, Ja went out and then the wind flew out of the sails. Aldama played way more minutes and he didn't get a single rebound. Um, so I actually, I'm not sure that I think you have, I think if you're the coach, you have to plan to get out rebounded. I think your goal is to figure out, a, you know, well, not plan for it, but like you have to account for the fact that that's likely. And then you build around that. Um, I think they did a pretty good job of throughout the game staying competitive enough with the guards rebounding that it didn't kill them. Um, I I think the three point shooting was a thing. Like what what you what what you were counting on <laughs> was not Austin Reeves to go to do what he did from three, and not Rui Hachimura to do what he did from three, and then for a couple of you're you're counting for Luke and things like that. I think that's a little bit more because if you're the Grizzlies, you have to, you, you're going to get out rebounded. I mean, they just don't have the size. I think there were two things that you thought, I thought going into this game, there was going to be a disparity in a disparity in rebounds and a disparity in free, in free throw shooting. And ironically that act, the free throw shooting was not, uh, now there were some trash calls, but in terms of free throw attempts, both had 16. Um, which I found interesting, and well, actually it was one hundred percent crap. Yeah, it was ja, crap. Agreed. John ja Morant shot zero free throws. Yeah, All agreed. the contact that he took in that game, John ja Morant shot zero free throws. Agreed. But if you and, if and that, you're that's all, agreed. like I'm, I'm not. I will not. It was not the referees. I'm not going to blame it on the referees. No. But you. Anthony Davis, I don't even know. Well, let me pull up the box score. How many personal fouls did he have? One. What? A, yeah. Complete and utter bullshit. Oh, yeah. There's no way. Anthony Davis and LeBron James had one foul apiece. The yeah. times that those referees decided to stick the whistle in their pocket yeah. was exactly when it was Anthony Davis or LeBron James. And, yeah. again, the referees are not the reason the Grizzlies won or are the reason the Grizzlies lost this game. They, it, it just. They shifted some momentum. That's for sure. Cause they, when they got whistle heavy was when the Grizzlies had a lead in yeah, the third quarter. It's, 
to towards the end of the third quarter, that's when I saw more loose ball fouls in a given period than I think I've ever seen, quite frankly. And I think those almost all of those calls were complete crap. I mean, seriously, like they were like phantom loose ball calls. So, but anyway, we, that's what you expected. So I think if you're the Grizzlies, you have to plan around that again with your three point shooting, um, with your, in your defensive game plan, both of which went absolutely out the window. Now I will give the Grizzlies credit for shooting 93% from the free throw line. I'm very proud of that. Um, they're gonna need it. <laughs> they're gonna need. They're gonna need more of that. But I just wanted to shout that out because I you rarely ever see a ninety three percent from the Grizzlies, and so uh, shout out to them for that. A first half, the rebounding was advantage one Lakers twenty six yes. twenty six twenty five at the half, but not extremely uh, so. Hmm, now the third quarter, the Lakers out rebounded the Grizzlies ten to six. And then in the fourth quarter, I think it's nine to three, eight to two, eight to two. Sorry, sorry, nine nine to three. You're right. I looked at the, I was looking at defensive only. Nine nine to three. Yeah. So That's yeah, true. it was all the the rebounding really separated in the second half, and that was, you know, that the third quarter. It was really late in the third whenever Rui had that streak where he was knocking down shots. Yep. Rui was four for four from three all in like four, four of his five threes came in the third quarter. Yep. And then in the fourth quarter, you get freaking Austin Reeves who, you know, he, he goes five for five and Rui's four for five in the fourth. So it's, it's just weird. There, there was a whole lot of randomness that went on in this game that you, if you're the Lakers, you cannot count on that every game. It's not going to happen. You're not going to have two rate role players combining for 50 points in every game. And if you're the Grizzlies and that happens, you just take the L and move on down the road. There's nothing you can do about it. If, if Austin Reeves is eight for 13 and Hachimura is 11 for 14 every single game in this series, you get beaten, you enjoy Cancun. There's nothing you're going to do about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think it was that random. I think that was Darwin Ham, and it was interesting as we talked about how we thought Taylor Jenkins would have the advantage coaching wise, but I, I'm not seeing that. Uh, I think we saw, or what we witnessed, was a result of Ham going, looking at the looking at the film, and saying, "Hey, these guys are open. Like they're 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 sagging off their guys." get the ball to them and the Grizzlies being unable to adjust or, you know, I'm not even really sure I saw on Jenkins end what adjustments they made from the first half to the second half. I really don't like, I don't, I saw an adjustment in strategy from ham, but I did not see an adjustment in strategy on any regard uh, from Jenkins. In fact, it looked like his plan regressed, not because I think, that they did anything different, but because I think he just stuck with it and ham adjusted and, and there was not an adjustment back. And I thought we, I was encouraged early because I liked the rotations that Jenkins was starting with. And I thought that meant that he was going to be, adjust- he talked about adjusting quicker and maybe he just meant with the rotations because he did adjust with the rotations. But in terms of game plan, 
I didn't see it. I don't know if you did, but I can't go to a single thing that I say, hey, this was a problem area before and they they fixed that, but then these things happened. Yeah, not none of that. And that's I think that that's what scares me more about this series than anything else. Yeah, the the rotation changes or something that we didn't see. What was the at one time what did we have Ja, Dez, Roddy, Kennard, and Aldama out there? Like that there, was a mistake. That was the only bad rotation. Yeah, th- there was one. Yeah, you you hadn't. I don't know if you played that entire like that lineup at all together. Yeah, during yep. the regular season. And now, granted, you did not have Anthony Davis on the floor at that time, and so there was not a massive threat down low as you're looking at like Troy Brown and Rui Hachimura. I, you're you're looking at the guys that they have on the floor, and it's like. Okay, that lineup's not bad, but it was like it was not productive. So, right. to me, playing guys that have not played rotation minutes together at this point in the season is a bad move. Yeah, and unless it's just something out of necessity, like X moving into the starting lineup last year against the Timberwolves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I would agree. Um, now I'll I'll point out some. To me, it's hard for me to project going forward because there is the jaw cloud is hanging. And I think the jaw cloud is hanging because I have concerns, not just from a physical standpoint, but a like moving forward mindset standpoint. Um, And maybe it's just he needs an offseason. Who knows? But beyond that, these are the things I would say I was encouraged about. Um, One, you were still able to shoot. It doesn't sound impressive, but for the Grizzlies, 36% from three with Luke Kennard being terrible. That doesn't sound really good on paper, but you guys, generally, if Luke Kennard doesn't shoot well, you're looking at like 20-something percent. Even I've seen, we've seen 17% from three, 27%. We've seen some low numbers, so I'll take that. Um, It's above average, at least. Um, I thought to the fourth quarter again, they hung in there with the rebounding battle. There wasn't this huge insurmountable discrepancy. I, I think you had to account that you were going to lose that in some regard. You just didn't want to get killed, and they avoided doing that. Um, they also didn't, despite the Lakers having 22-second chance points and the Grizzlies only having 10, uh, the possessions in terms of field goal attempts, the Lakers got 92, but you still the, the Grizzlies still got 89. I don't think there was a huge discrepancy from that. Now, efficiency is really what that comes down to, but – um. They didn't get beat on that. Again, the free throws were pretty good. Um, you got an, a phenomenal, again, performance from Jaron. Uh, I didn't really get to talk about that or go in depth on that too much. I do probably want to do that just before we close out. Um, and the Grizzlies were still, uh, well, the Lakers actually beat them on fast break points. I, th- I, th- I read that wrong at first. I thought the Grizzlies got fast break points. They did not. They had 17 fast break points compared to the Lakers 26. I think that goes back to, I, I lean back to those times where I saw Luke Kennard pass up a shot, trying to do a post-entry pass. Lakers got in transition. I think otherwise they kept even, but I think those, uh, those were critical turnovers uh, and the timing was not great on when those happened either. Uh, so I, I think there are some positive things to take away, um, but there were a lot of concerns too. Um, yeah, you can always tell yourself again, Rui and Austin, they're you know 
Sometimes you got to live with those. I, I, I think you're right, David. You can't count on that. I don't think you should count on that. That's another encouraging thing. But, um, man, it's tough. Um, like you said, we're going to see what Taylor Jenkins is really made out of. But it's almost to the point where as much as you want to criticize him, I mean, he's he's really undermanned. And personnel-wise, because the thing that uh, hurts me most about, uh, you know, there's multiple things that hurt me. This isn't the most, but uh, something that isn't obvious is with job being out, you probably don't see John Conchar now. Yeah, they didn't play him, David. That was great too. I was nah, proud of that. Dude, I was so happy we got I through the so first happy. half. Man, we did not see Conchar, and I was ecstatic about that. Um, but it looks like, I mean, you're going to need another guard. It seems like he made the right decision in that regard, which I do think was Roddy over Conchar. That's encouraging from a coaching perspective, but now you're short of guard and definitely got to see Jitty now, which, yeah, do you, tough task. Do, I mean, do you have, I mean, you don't have to. That's probably what we're going to see, but. I mean, you, then you were one in a seven-man rotation, I guess. Uh because I mean, who else are you going to look at the guys who I guess, well, they, they played Roddy some, but they really only played him eight minutes. So yeah, I thought, yeah. it, I thought really they had more of an eight man rotation with the, I guess yeah, it was technically nine, but it was really more of an eight man rotation. I guess you would give Roddy, I suppose more minutes, which. Yeah. Were. But you're not going to give him 30 more minutes. So it's, yeah. yeah I mean, you're going to see like Roddy's numbers are probably, Excuse me. Sorry. Roddy's numbers are probably going to creep up and then you'll see JD get time. I just, that, man, it's not, it's, it's, it's just not it, man. It's this not at all. Like, yeah. He, he shouldn't be seen. He shouldn't be seen minutes, period. No, nah, but I, they're going it, to, it's for, it, okay, it forces his hand. I get it. It forces his yeah, hand. Yeah. For sure. Like out of, you know, if it was this time last year, I'm like, yeah, the answer is Z. But Z has not been himself this year at all. He didn't even look good in the garbage time. Yeah, well, I mean, it was 30 seconds, but yeah, he he didn't. I think he he had the turnover, right? Yeah, he didn't catch the ball, and it rolled out of bounds. Ended up being a turnover on him, so, you know, it is what it is. I, I Even through all of the craziness and the is Ja going to play, is Ja not going to play, after this performance tonight, this didn't do anything to me to be like, oh, my God, the Grizzlies cannot beat this team at all. Because there, there is, for the rest of this series, I will bet everything that I own that Austin Reeves and Rui Hachimura do not combine for 50 points in a single game for the rest of this series. They may get close though. If if they don't change the defensive strategy, then maybe I, not that. But they I mean, still you can go ahead. And you can book it. That defensive strategy is not changing. Well, you, then I, I can you tell can't you say that. Then you can't like, say that with confidence. I I, I get there. Like okay, Reeves has shown like he had games when LeBron was out that he can have a good offensive game, but this from Rui. Rui this is, is always, not like he he's not gonna be this guy. Like this Rui. is not him. He he was not this guy in college. He hasn't been this guy in the NBA. Even when he was getting big minutes in Washington, 
this this was not anywhere close to what he was doing. And obviously the people around him, the personnel yeah. makes a difference. But yeah, I'm like I'm confident it. in saying it. that. If he's wide open, then what is the difference? Maybe he misses two more. But what you can't do is even have him anything close. You need him under 10. If you're comparing bench for bench, I don't think you're going to get that if they keep doing the same stuff. I mean, you say book it, book it fine. But that means he's getting a minimum of 15 points. Like he, and sure, you, you, may, may you, you may be right. You may be right, but there, I, I will guarantee you based off of everything that I hold, heard in that post game press conference, that Taylor Jenkins is not changing that defensive strategy I'm, at I'm all optimistic. because it, it was not the, the comment was not anything. It was defensive execution that that was the exact term that he used defensive execution. And the reason why I, I'm confident that you won't see this from Rui again, Rui in rookie season, 28.7% from three season number two, tw- 32.8. He did have a good year, year three in was in Washington, 44.7%. This year he shot 31% from three. That dude is not. But nobody's leaving him open six. like the Grizzlies. Nobody I mean, is leaving I, him open. I, I like get that, but I mean, I just, I just, dude, I just like, like this is a this is a, a career game for him. I agree with, and that. he's not gonna have a career game every night. No, I, I like I get the principle of what you're saying. Of if they leave him open, he's gonna knock down shots. Yeah, but he's not gonna knock down eleven for fourteen. So is he gonna get fourteen or fifteen points every game in this series? I think the answer to that is yes. He's gonna get fourteen. Well, then probably... the are cooked. They can't uh, afford to have the bench have those numbers. But but if I... Rui if Rui has fourteen instead of twenty nine tonight, the Grizzlies win this game. Well, they had Ja. They won't next game. Or it's not this like. team. This team won without Ja. I know this is a playoffs. I realize that. It's, yeah. But Ja, like I still think, even without Ja, that this team is capable of beating this Lakers team. The best version of I think of the best version of Desmond as the guy who um who can take guys off the dribble. He can create and he can be that guy in moments. But we've also seen Desmond Bang get sped up easily by this team and we've so and it was because there was no job it was Tyus and it was Desmond and that was Desmond's worst game Desmond's worst game was when it was no job against this Lakers team um that that concerns me it just does and so if that's the case I mean I'm saying Desmond's not gonna have a good game because he, he will not go over nine I mean that was an awful game but I'm saying like you you are gonna need more guys from your bench. I, then I think the Grizzlies lose the bench advantage. So if Ru, if Rui comes off the bench and he gives you fifteen, and then you're still gonna get, I think Austin Reeves still probably get you fifteen, and then you're gonna get what you're gonna get from AD and LeBron, which is more likely more than less. All right, I still think the Grizzlies are at a disadvantage still, numbers wise, like just the numbers game. You've got to have those role players with 10 points or under in order to have a bench advantage, truly. And you need for your stars to match their stars. The number one advantage this team had going into it was the backcourt against the frontcourt. That 
without Ja is not the case. And so I'm I'm not I wish I could be as optimistic as you, but I just feel like between losing the bench, there was a ton of bench stuff. But if they're going to let the bench, if they're the game plan is let the bench do what the bench is going to do, then you lose your bench advantage, your potential bench advantage, at least what I saw. And then you also lost the backcourt advantage. So you're already going to lose rebounding and you're going to still probably have a disparity at the free throw line. You would have to shoot an historic amount of threes to overcome all of that. And where else are the points coming from? Because you're not going to get out and run on these guys, not the way they want, especially with Tyus at the lead. No, no, you're definitely not. I, I just goes back to ball movement. Yeah, for me that that's where this team is best when they move the ball. When John Morant is not on the floor, what does this team do? They move the ball. They did so, tonight. Let, let Luke Kennard. They they didn't tonight. Tonight, I, I feel John like didn't was, have the ball like that. Yeah, Not like but, that. I mean, he he spent thirty minutes on the floor, and it's just like over the last two seasons, when John Morant has missed times, has missed time. This offense seems to find a stride because it's not about okay, we've got one guy that needs the ball. It's all right. Whoever gets buckets gets buckets and we move the ball around and we look for the best shot. And I think that's how you win. That's how you beat this team. Your best players are going to knock down shots. Jaron's going to get his Des is going to get his where you get that secondary boost from is when you get good ball movement and you get guys like Luke Kennard wide open, shooting more than five times, Santi Aldama shooting more than six times and knocking down the shots. And so <laughs> The, the 14 shots that John Morant spent get spread out and they become better looks. And that's not me saying, oh, this team is better without John Morant. I will not say that because it's not the truth. But this offense is more of a free-flowing offense when he's not on the floor just by the design of what Taylor Jenkins does. You can put Tyus Jones in at the point guard position and he can go out here and he can run this free-flowing offense because guys move more. They move the ball more when Ja is not in the game, and they didn't tonight. But historically, when he has been out from the word go, that's how the offense is functioned. So we'll see. If it doesn't, then, yeah, it could end up being Lakers in four, but I, I still fully believe in this team, and I am confident that they can beat this Lakers team and the good news is with the you know you have Monday and Tuesday off before Wednesday's game and if Ja can't go in Wednesday's game then you're going to have travel before you go back out to LA to play and Ja's going to have nearly a week of rest on that hand yeah and if it's not broke then it's more than likely just inflammation and there's medications that they can give him that's, you know, the, the treatments they were doing with the eyes and stuff like that. There's things that they can give him to work on that inflammation, and, you know, using the, the ice and the heat and using medications to get rid of the swelling. So you may have job back for game three in a much better spot. And if you win tomorrow night or I'm Wednesday night and you're one, one going back out to LA with your best player returning, you're still in good shape. Yeah, that is fair. That's fair. And and hopefully that's the case. Um, 
Are they going to get it? Did they mention if, they, if he's going to get an MRI or not? Because I don't know if ligament thing is a. Yeah, I don't, they they said so. I know there were some people that were a, a little crossed about that. And Taylor Jenkins said in the post game presser that when Ja came back out to the floor, that it was indicated to him that they could use him in an emergency situation. Yeah. But the best thing to do was not to put him back out there until they done further testing. Nobody indicated, nobody said what those tests were going to be, but if the x-rays were negative, then I can only imagine that an MRI would be the next step just to make sure that you don't have anything ripped or torn in there. Yeah, the, the ligament parts, uh, I would say that's the, the, the next thing to clear for sure. Um, but hopefully that is, I mean, if he's day-to-day, that is promising for sure. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I'll say I'm... Um, I am super high on on Jaron and everything that he was for this team, and how I didn't get to talk about Jaron, but he only had three fouls tonight, and that is a part of why I'm floored with Jaron because I I expected him to get fouls foul, fouls I thought he may get you know four maybe five was the best case scenario I didn't think he'd foul out um, I thought he'd be able to play through the fouls. Um, because I've seen him do that and be get better at doing that. But he was able to just he played some of the most disciplined defense I've seen I've seen. I mean, he plays incredible defense all the time, but just the discipline with which he used, man, that's promising. Um, especially against the only guy in the league who can give him problems. I just I can't I can't express how exciting that he is just for him, for this team, for this franchise, and you got extra from him tonight. I mean, they're, they're going to kind of need that version of him even more. Uh, I hate to say it in the next game. Um, but that is the one thing that I think the Grizzlies really have gone from. You got a, you got a Desmond Bain game. Would you love more efficiency? Yes, but you got a Desmond Bain game from Desmond Bain. And you got an imp- a, a just incredible performance. I think everything you were expecting out of Jai, you got from Jaron and more. Um so that was just amazing to see and definitely got to give him his flowers. Uh, he for sure was the MVP of the night and played the most minutes. Who saw that coming? <laughs> 37. Folks said he couldn't even play over 30. Go, Jaron. Go, Jaron. But but um, anyway, I, I think that gives me optimism. And hopefully you're right about, you know, how how the rest is really, it really does work in the favor of the Grizzlies in terms of potentially getting job back. Um, in a reasonable time frame, um, I was encouraged by his words. Um, but you know, some things change. I mean, he can wake up tomorrow and feel a lot better too. So he just may be talking in the moment, and you know, because yeah, I'm sure he got he didn't get any treatment on that hand, so that's probably part of it. Um, so anyway, the Grizzlies have a tall task in front, ahead of them. Um, I I love to be made fun of for being this pessimistic. I, I'm fine for that. If the grid the grid still win this in six, uh, I'll eat I'll eat crow for being pessimistic pessimistic all day because uh, I wasn't. Uh, but I was just this game didn't go the way I thought it was going to go at all. It, some good, some bad, and um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out for sure. Yeah, you have to lose two in order to win the series in six. So we got the first one out of the way. Yeah, optimistic as we can be here. We appreciate you guys tuning in. We're going to look to do 
a uh, we're going to host those spaces at some point. Yeah. Um, I really think that Tuesday is going to be a better day to do that than Monday. Yeah. And the reason I say that is I'd like to see if we get an update on Ja Morant before we host the spaces. Yeah. So whatever day you're listening to this on the, the I think we're going to plan. Can you do Tuesday night? Like, can you do that? Candace, you available Tuesday night? Yeah. Cause what do, time we do it, we'll, we'll talk details after, but sure. depending yeah, on yeah. The we'll, we'll get that iron out to Tuesday night. We're going to plan on doing a, doing a spaces with all of us. So we, we'd appreciate it. If you guys join us, we'll try and get in as many people as we can and let as many people as we can have conversation with us. Uh, we look forward to doing that. Appreciate you guys tuning in. The show is on Twitter at Ethos Grizzlies. Isaac is at Isaac underscore underscore NBA. I'm an NBA D will two one. Candace is going to let you know where she can, where you can find her and get us out of here. All right. Yep. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Candace H nine Oh one. Uh, we appreciate you guys tuning in. Always grateful for your listens. Uh, like I said, we're going to look, be on the lookout for a uh, spaces on Twitter. Uh, so be sure to follow the show at Ethos Grizzlies. Uh, if you don't already, um, the Grizzlies are going to take on the Lakers for game two on Wednesday night. And we'll, we'll hopefully get some updates on John Moran and his situation before then. Um, but that's all we got. So for David, Candice, and Isaac, who's out, we gone.